got a great sound to play in Angus. Uh, uh, Hello? Have you ever snubbed a lady? Um, we had a technical problem. Are we on? Yeah, <laughs> we're on there. Can I swear? Welcome to Crunch and Roll. I'm John Fox, known to some as Foxy. Did breakfast shows across the UK and a little bit of work for the BBC. Now, a couple of weeks ago, somebody messaged us and said, when are you going to have some Scottish radio people on? This is hopefully the first of many episodes featuring characters who plied their trade north of the border. Joining me on this episode is Paul Harper, who not only is the first Scottish presenter we've had on, he's also the first that's been on the radio in Australia and Canada. So there's a lot to get through in the short amount of time that we had with him before he had to pick up his kids from school in downtown Toronto, or as he'd say, Toronto. But we managed to cover how he used to get permission from his teachers to present afternoons on his local station, the fun and debauchery of his time at Scotland's most rock and roll station, and how he ended up on Today FM in Australia whilst backpacking. Now, before we start, just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy the podcast, then if you're a regular listener and you want to support us, we'd be very grateful. Just get uh, to ko-fi.com forward slash crunch and roll and buy us a coffee or something a little bit stronger. That's ko-fi.com forward slash crunch and roll. And thank you so much to everybody who supported us so far. Now, with strong language, let's crunch and roll. Oh, yeah. Paul, how are you? Good man, nice to meet you. No, really nice to meet you. I'm I'm pleased to say you're the first Scottish presenter we've had on Crunch and Roll. How does that feel? Scottish and I didn't bring you anything. How stereotypical is that? <laughs> <laughs> Tight and cheap. <laughs> well, we were just talking before we hit record and you were saying that, um, and I'm really looking forward to this because I think you are right, that, that the Scottish and, and, and English radio are slightly different. Right. Look, I can't remember when good internet feeds really came in, but, uh, you know, I, I remember going on road trips to England and you would flick from station to station and there were so many and they were all doing something different, right? You would hear as you went down, CFM would turn into Black Wave and Blackpool. You would get some of the Manchester stations, Key 103, you would go through Radio City you know, uh, there was the galaxies. There were so many radio stations, and in Scotland, we just didn't have that. Um, and they were, they were, they were just sounded so different. But the places, like, like I don't know if you've been to Scotland or not before, but the places are so very different. And um, I don't know the humors, even though it's the same island. Just to me, they've always felt like very different places. Um, and that's, I think, what you know. I remember someone from Global had been to a focus group when they were in Scotland and they came back like delighted that um, people don't care where the presenter sits is the question they'd asked. And I agree with that. Like, I don't think they care, but they do care about what they sound like. And if they sound like, not just sound like me, but do they sound like they know me? Like, would I ever even have a conversation with this person? Uh, but they, that, I think that was a leading question to get the answer that they looked for. But actually, you know, considering we're on this, or we were on the same island, I'm in Canada now, but um, things are very different. The radio stations from like back when I started on the radio in 97 in Scotland and England sounded so different. I know that, you know, to, uh, politically, we're, we're, we're very different places. 
Uh, but it's kind of funny because it's such a small place and we all do the same thing, right? Yeah. I remember a programmer when it was global said, why do the Scottish not like the English? And I, I think that you mistake like this want for Scotland to be, to be proud of itself. Isn't like a, a dislike for the English apart from in football. And if we're being honest, that's only because you've won the world cup and we haven't. <laughs> um, but we did qualify for the, the world cup in seven, and you didn't All right yeah and maradona scored quite a good goal everyone's gonna hate me for this now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well let's go right back to the start so you're from aberdeen that's right yeah and at uh, the age of 13 you started i mean before we get on to hospital radio did, did you dream of being a, a radio presenter not really um but here's the thing i ended up in hospital quite a lot when i was younger so i was born in 81 so yeah this is like i don't know uh, early 90s and my because my brother was in hospital a lot and um they, he was in the sick kids a lot because he had a, a sort of a genetic thing that meant he needed a lot of surgeries on his feet and when we were in there uh, it was quite funny because my brother had long hair right and someone from hospital radio came around but the the first interaction ever was when this guy from hospital radio asked my mum if um her daughter would like a request and i was pissing myself and my brother was so offended because he had such long hair. And that was the first ever. Um, and I said, look, you know, uh, you, you hang around in the hospital when you're younger, visiting a brother or a sister or whatever. They said, oh, look, do you want to come and see the hospital radio? Yeah, sure. And I went in and it was like the most amazing, magical. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But then I don't know how many people do at 12 or 13. And I knew almost instantly that this looks a lot of fun. And I wonder if I could like, get paid to do that. No, it's interesting because we've had a lot of guests on, on Crunch and Roll and uh, many of us, I mean, myself included, started at Hospital Radio. And I guess I was quite fortunate that the one that I was at was, was I was surrounded by decent people. I mean, was, was, was your Hospital Radio station a good one or was it one of the shit ones? No, it was pretty good. Um, we actually had two radio stations. It's like they were wow. networking before. There was a kids radio station called Radio Rainbow. And then there was another one. Wait till you hear what this was called. GHR. And um, it had a better logo than the GHR that's out right now, but it was Grampian Hospital Radio, the original GHR. Um, and so I was on the, I did the, 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 the kids one was on actually on AM and it, on a sort of a small AM around the hospital. Wow. And that's the only time I've ever been on AM radio. And you really <laughs> feel like a DJ, right? When you're, you can hear yourself on AM. Um, and uh, so we got to play sort of younger music and, I, I don't know. I can't remember the politics of how, why they were upgrading the speakers or something. Anyway, it, it, no, it was really good. And um, I got a bunch of mistakes out of the way early on there. And listen, I was so young that I still had this squeaky, horrible, high voice. And uh, that needed to go before I got on the air properly. <laughs> so so your, your first professional gig was in 1997, North yeah. Sound One in Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, a, a bit like myself when I when I got breakfast on Viking, you know, to, to to do a show on your hometown station. How was that for you, Paul? Brilliant. It was. Um, I used to answer the phones and make tea for their Super Scoreboard show on the weekend, uh, and whenever I got the chance, I obviously you don't get paid. I would um, stay in the studio afterwards on Saturday night and just like learn. It was um, DCS, so it's like F eleven and F twelve to fire the music from the. 
the computer and uh, there was edit, learning how to edit tape and they had a CDR machine. And I would go to the music store in Aberdeen was called Bruce Miller's and a blank CD was about 40 pounds. And I remember putting some sweepers on there and making some demos and sending them to Gary Steen, who was the program controller at North Sound One and that gave me my first ever radio job. Okay. And uh, I will be forever grateful to him for that because he put me when I was 15 and still squeaky, even with the amazing processing. It was a big sort of North Sound in 97 was kind of like, um, I think, sort of Invicta, BRMB, Capital, you know, that big American Brian James, uh, you know, from the top of the tower. And the, uh, you know, the music was really great. The processing was awesome. It, the radio station sounded enormous. And uh, I'd always listened to North Sound when I was a kid. Robin Galloway did the breakfast show there and did wind-up phone calls, and everybody knew about it. So to get on the home radio station when I was still at school, they put me on weekends at night, and I used to get out of doing them, um, because at this point I didn't want to be in school anymore, right? I think I was in fifth year. Like, uh, yeah, I could have I left school in fifth year. Uh, of secondary school and um, I used to get the afternoon off to cover drive time when Gary was on holiday from school uh, and all the teachers were super nice to me in case I said anything about them on the air <laughs> you must have been the coolest kid in school yeah you know with my first ever paycheck from North Sound which wasn't much um, I got a mobile phone and uh, no one else had them because there's, you had to have a contract right John and then I uh it was like a crappy old Sony Ericsson, but no one else had a phone. Then I bought a, a Versace school uniform and uh, rocked into school like some sort of, you know, Billy Big Boss, we would say. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, talk to me about North Sound as well, because, I mean, you've mentioned Robin Galloway, of course, who, who would you agree is a Scottish legend, Scottish Absolutely. broadcast? Yeah. yeah. And and then Nick Nicky Campbell, of course, was, was also a previous presenter there as well. So, I mean, there's some... Some, I mean, some quality presenters went through North Sound. Sort of that northeast corner of Scotland produced some unbelievable uh, radio talent. Uh, you know, Bobby Hain was there and went on yeah. to, uh, he was uh, you know, Virgin, right? When STV got Virgin and Bobby was a big part of that. And um, gosh, I know I'm going to do it a disservice. But uh, North, North Sound brought lots of people through the ranks uh, that ended up in TV or on radio. God, I need to Google now and see who all came from there because it was it was it produced so many people compared to you know per, per head per capita because Aberdeen's small. There's only two hundred thousand people up there, and it was a one radio station town uh, for so many years. You know, when you when you're living it when, when you're in England, you know, the, many people dreamt of, of being on Capital uh, in the South, and then of course the North, maybe Key One Hundred Three Piccadilly. Yeah. In Scotland, what what was the dream? What well, was, what was the dream station? So the one that was sort of the big king of the hill at that moment was Clyde because um, there wasn't really anything else. Like Beat 106 didn't come on till 99. Scott, F uh, Scott FM was on, but it was a little bit sort of... And in, in my hometown, there wasn't anything else. Um, we, we, it's, it's crazy, right? And I know that in England, you had way more choice, but we didn't have that yet. And this was before digital radio. I remember a digital radio meeting. Oh my God. When... The managing director, Rod Webster, called us all in. And uh, he was, uh, uh, again, my first ever MD. He should have probably fired me a couple of times, but didn't. Um, and uh, he said, you know, this thing called digital radio, and it's coming soon, and we could have North Sound 1 and North Sound 2 and North Sound 3 and North Sound 4 and North Sound 5. And I guess digital radio just, it, it all went a slightly different way. But that was back in 1997 they were talking about that. 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, so you, you move from from North Sound. Um, you, you move to Dundee, and you go to Tay FM, and and you you take over breakfast there. I mean, you must have been so young, Paul, to take over breakfast. I know, right? And I was so bad at going to bed and getting up. And <laughs> you know, I was just at that point. I wanted to go to like a radio school or a radio college, and there was one in Dundee. But by the time I'd applied for it and they'd said you can come, I was already, I said it was too late. I'm coming to do the breakfast show in your city. It was in Dundee. So uh, it, we were a bit, I kind of was ahead of the, cur- the curve with the college course. And there weren't many of those at that time. I just wanted to be on the radio um, and have fun. And I, like I've moved out at home early. I was, you know, 16 and moved out of my mom and dad's house and moved in a party flat. and. It was honestly just living the dream. It was great fun. And this was still, I was, I suppose, this is sort of was like still old school radio. You know, when I went to Radio Tay, it was kind of like going back in time compared to North Sound. They still had carts and uh, you were using CDs. I know, right? And, uh, but it, it was exciting to get onto a big show. Fine, that was my first full-time show. Talk to me about some of the big stories when you were at TFM. I mean, you were a breakfast jock on, on a radio station at such a young age. You mentioned the party flat there, Paul. I mean, as long as you don't end up splitting from your partner, I mean, any stories you can share from that? Yeah, probably not. We, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so here's the thing. When I, when I went there, I was still like 17 or 18 or whatever. I can't remember how it was. It's around that time. It was all a blur. Um, that was the first time they said, do you want to go to Jamaica? I went, yeah, well, well yeah, well, how much is it? Oh, no, 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 you, you go do your show. And uh, I said, well, what? And um, they, I, I went, we went to Sandals. Remember they used to do these big sort of radio... Uh, yeah, yeah. And they still do them in North American radio stations, Sandals, Disney, um, but they do them for barter. Uh, and so we went to Sandals. That's where I met, like, other UK radio people for the first time, like... Uh, Cam and Sally and Cormac, who was their news person there on Galaxy. There was Coppo from Invicta. There was a bunch of like radio people. I'd never really been outside that Scottish radio bubble. And yeah. even then, I was in the north of Scotland. So it was really cool to meet new people and sort of, um, hang on, you want me in the breakfast show? Hours were so bad from Jamaica. Bear in mind, this beautiful hotel, all-inclusive, <laughs> as much drink as you want and doing the breakfast show you're on between one and five in the morning uh local time so we'd all get pissed afterwards um and like fall asleep in a hammock or a jacuzzi or whatever in this beautiful and there's all these pissed up radio djs um lying asleep i slept in for the breakfast show so many times and uh, another scottish radio legend ali bally was the program director there not his real name have you heard of him before ali bally no i haven't no (laughs) he's a scottish radio legend not his real name what made him a legend? So he was on Radio Tay from the very launch. Uh, his name is Arthur Ballingall, but the DJ before Kenny Page, who, again, another Scottish radio yeah, legend, yeah, yeah. was on the Voice of Peace off, uh, off Israel. Um, Kenny had said, I'm coming up next. It's Ali Bally. So they, Ali Bally was born. Ali was sort of the, the voice and face of Radio Tay forever. And now when you say Radio Tay in that city, uh, they will say, oh, do you know Ali Bally? So he was my program director. <laughs> I remember he was, he was tight with the money, though, sometimes. Right? It was so hard to get money back in these days. And this was before EMAP had bought Scottish Radio Holdings. And like a fiver was a big deal, right? And I remember getting a show rise of a f- five pounds more a day. <laughs> but then I'd gone on a date 
with the newsreader, which he was super pissed about. So the next day he said, and Harper, <laughs> I'm taking your five pounds pay rise back. No. And uh, <laughs> I was like, what, man? For a, a, <sighs> So look, uh, Radio Tay was fun again. We had lots of, um, you know, doing road shows. And that was before Prince uh, William had come to St. Andrews, or it was maybe about that time. But St. Andrews University is in their patch. And if social media had existed when we did the beach party, at St. Andrews University, we'd have been the most viral thing ever, but it actually got shut down. This Tay FM roadshow on the beach because like there were so many people took their clothes off and were running in the sea and like it was dangerous. And the cops, this was sort of, it's like a Prince William sort of crowd, right? It's like a really sort of Oxford or Cambridge crowd got lit up in St. Andrews. And um, I was hosting... It, what should have, what would have been a front page news story of the carnage and debauchery of the Tay FM roadshow St. Andrews. It was <laughs> I great. love it. I love it. So yeah. look, the, the, the next move you go to, to, to B106, um, which, which was a huge station, wasn't it? B106. Yeah. And there was, it was like a, a sort of a disruptor in Scottish radio. It was kind of like Galaxy, but imagine, if you don't know, it was like, imagine going to a music festival. And you walk between the main stage, the, I don't know, the NME stage, and the dance tent. That's what Beat 106 was. It, it, you would go from Kasabian to the Chemical Brothers to some new sort of DJ Tiesto track. Then they would play Oasis. It was an uh, unbelievable uh, radio station and disruptor. Its music proposition, the way it sort of behaved. Robin Banks was on the breakfast show there at the very start. And um, when they came calling for me, it was Andrew Jeffries and Mark Finley were the two that came, they were sort of doing a baton handover of Andrew passing to Mark, came to uh, meet me up in Dundee and we went for lunch. And I remember they were playing my show in the restaurant on the speakers when we were doing the deal. Mm. And my bloody promo came on. And uh, Andrew Jeffries went, hang on, stop for a minute. And was listening to the pro. Luckily, it was a really good promo. <laughs> and at the end of the promo, promo, he looked at Mark, and Mark looked at him and went, "Yeah, that was okay. Okay, you're hired." And uh, I'm very glad I updated my promo that day to get to go and work for it. Just Capital Group had just bought Beat 106. It was an independent startup. Um, you know, lots of celebrities put in money. Soccer, you know, Ali McCoy. Soccer. I'm so used to living here. Football players, like Ali McCoyst. And I spoke to Alan McCoy about this. He said, for every hundred thousand he put in, he got a million back. No. Yeah. Wow. But when I got there, I soon realized why. It's because the place was so shonky the way it had been built. Like everything was falling apart at this point. And Capital had paid, I don't know, was it like 25 or 35 million pounds for this one radio station? Um, and then when they bought it, they realized that they needed to do everything again because it was all falling apart. So to be one of the Capital Group people when it was that small Capital Group going in, was really exciting. It was the first time in my radio career I'd ever had a contract. I'd never, uh, I don't know if that's what English, was that what English radio was like in those days as well? Well, I, 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 you know, I, I was very fortunate to have a contract at every station I was at. So I'm just, Dude. so going back to, to the previous stations then, Paul, you didn't have a contract. No. It was operated in such an outrageous way till EMAP came in. No <laughs> contracts. And I remember saying, I'm going to work at Beat 106. And they said, well, you can't. And I went, well, I can don't have a contract i still did a month no it, it was i'm telling you at this point it was so 
It was just un unbelievable that you'd be on the on the radio without a contract. Nothing. I find that incredible, absolutely incredible. And and you mentioned Robin Banks, who who was the the, the first guest on the first Crunch and Roll. Who, I who I, I've I was um, I'm going to say fortunate because I, I think the guy's a legend, and to watch him work was incredible. He was a he was a pain in the ass because he used to do things like stick stickers on the back of my car saying "Stop Police, Car Full of Drugs" and things <laughs> like that. Which I mean, what was it like working with people like Robin? So he he had just departed because. You know, I don't think Robin and the Capital Group sort of new way of doing it were, um, they didn't really work together, you know. Robin was kind <laughs> of anarchic and Capital Group didn't want to be. Um, so he'd gone by that time, but I remember listening to him thinking, oh my God, this is so refreshing. This is fantastic. Um, he made waves, but the whole, the whole radio station was a disruptor. And it, um, on my first day, I uh, started with Chris Thorpe was the other starter. Unbelievably good imaging uh, guy. Chris is on the slide right now with David Wakefield. And uh, it was his first day, the same as my first day. And so we hit it off straight away and we couldn't believe the chaos. The Beat 106 was mental. And again, for, for, like, for young guys, um, we we used to do the like these club nights and they would have a radio station credit card, John, and they would put the credit card behind the bar and everything was paid for. <laughs> and they had this like party truck and uh, it was like a Chevrolet, um, no, like a Suburban, the blacked yeah. out windows and we'd get driven about in that. You guys are going out to a nightclub, we'll get you the Suburban. And there was just, it was just like going out all the time. Um... Like the Christmas parties were uh, like you couldn't do Christmas parties like that. Now they booked the first one in 2001. They booked this mansion uh, in the Scottish borders and it was kind of like a Downton Abbey house. And this family were 40th in line to the throne. Yeah. <laughs> so it was quite, so it was a, a nice place. And we rolled into it with so much booze in, uh, in the bottom of the coach. And everyone was wrecked by the time we got there. And the managing director, um, me and Chris said, what's the aim of this? Is it to be like at work tomorrow? And he looked at me and Chris and I and went, no boys, the aim is to be alive. I went, what? <laughs> it was like, holy shit. And the, the carnage, they set up a studio and built an I, put ISDN into this house so the breakfast show could come from there the next day. But Matt, who was doing the breakfast show, went missing at some point. So Mark, was the program director, went on the air and was like that. Matt is missing. Um, the, the, there was a sales guy went unconscious in a walled garden, and it was like maybe <laughs> minus 10. And he nearly got hypothermia and died. There was like, uh, my producer my, uh, went on to be my producer. It was his first Christmas party as well. So imagine we're in these beautiful old bedrooms and he's throwing up all over the floor. And then he like pulled a rug from under a chair and covered it up. And anyway, the lady that owned the house afterwards had, you know, said we destroyed it. They had um, all gladiator stuff set outside. It was, I, I wish there was pictures of it. And so we did um, like the pugil sticks up on the thing. And we did a tug of war. They brought caterers in and they hired, oh my God, they hired the fourth FM like nighttime DJ to be the DJ at our party at night from no. the Big Al's Disco Roadshow. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like so playing all this 70s music. It was so, so fun. 
So, so your mem your memories of, of Beat One Hundred Six. I mean, I love how animated you become, Paul. I mean, <laughs> just I just. That. I mean, you you were still young at that point as well. Just the, just the. Would you? I mean, you go onto some massive stations from there. But I mean, would you say the highlight of your career? No, because unfortunately, it sort of got wrecked. Um, oh, did it? Why did it get wrecked? It was the first radio station I'd worked at that ended up where the marketing people. They, they, they had a big audience. We had like half a million listeners, which was great. Um, but I remember like certain conversations about like it's the wrong audience. It was like a they would call it like a in Scotland it's a Ned right or like a Chav audience. It was very much the soundtrack to like a council estate, and they didn't want that. And they went on this mental, and um, we're going to educate the audience in what good music is. Uh, direction yeah, that ended up like totally slaughtering the radio station. And then they got it in their heads they wanted to do XFM. So it was kind of sad at the end, this great radio station that people genuinely loved, just sort of they didn't care because they were getting the new toy and it was hard to work down. Like we had Dennis Clark, um, one of the all-time brilliant radio consultants consulting on this. And he came up to see us and said, look guys, you know, at five past eight, some salesperson had sold every morning at five past eight. We would have a travel feature where we would read out package holidays that you could buy from a premium rate phone number that day. Eight oh five, like it was the worst money grab. You know when radio stations are circling the plug hole. Yeah, yeah. It was circling the plug hole, and I remember Dennis saying, "Who sold that? My God, they should like this guy from LA is here to help us." And he said, "Um." They shouldn't be allowed to listen to the radio, never mind sell on it. And it was, it was like the radio station was wrecked at that point. So, no, it was, it was actually, it was quite sad watching. I don't know if you've ever been at a station that has sort of gone to hell like that. Probably not to that extent, but yeah, I've certainly seen, I've been at a station which has, has, has rebranded as something else. And it's you fine. Know, but yeah. like this thing was like, your radio stations aren't there to educate um it's listeners into what they should or shouldn't like. There were really good people there. Some transitioned to over to XFM. The numbers speak for themselves. When Beat 106 was turned off, it had 400 and something thousand listeners. And when the XFM experiment was over, it had 199. Incredible. So like, they, yeah, it, it was a real shame. From what you just said, it kind of, it, it reminds me of my time at Viking. And, and actually the reason why we started doing this, this podcast, because Anybody that spent their time at Viking has the same memories of it being just a party for, for the duration of you know however long you're right. there. And then we started this podcast thinking that every radio station was like that. It turns out that it was only Viking, but from from what you're saying, it it was very similar at Beat. Beat 106 was so much fun, but it was very much a bastard child of what was like the, the Capital FM network at that point. I don't really think everyone in London knew what it was. Um, because I remember the, uh, Andrea Vidler came around with new logos one day and they said, you know, what are all these logos have got? What's the problem with them? And it was like Fox and Ocean was a different color and Red Dragon was the sunny day or whatever. So they said, look, they're all different. So we're going to make it one logo. And how, here's how much they didn't know about what they had in Scotland was the logo set. It was called Beat 106, right? But it wasn't on 106 FM. We had 105.7 and 106.1. So it was called Beat 106. But on this logo that they unveiled, here's your new logo. It said, 
106 FM, The Beat. And everyone was like, that. we're not even called that. And like, <laughs> they didn't know. 106 FM, no, we're not on that. And The Beat, it's not called that. It's never been called that. They didn't know, like, I think genuinely, they didn't really understand it. But it was so much fun. We had a festival in Scotland called Tea in the Park. And Beat 106 was the radio station for Tea in the Park. Um, and uh, we would take over the campsite where they invented this monster, like them um, mega bus thing that was, but there was like an open top bus that looked like a boom box, but the DJs were on top of the bus and it became like a separate stage for tea in the park with our specialist DJs would go on. And you know, we thought there'd maybe be a few hundred people there. There was like 10,000 people in the campsite before the festival had even started at the party bus and it was incredible and um beat we would just go up there and like i've got so many great pictures and memories of so much funny stuff happening at beat county uh count Let's move on to your next your next move, Paul. Because I mean, this is uh, it's, this took me by surprise whilst I was going through your, your, your career. So you, you go from Beat One Hundred and Six, you know, big station. Um, you, you've achieved a hell of a lot there, and then you you move to Two Day FM. How the hell did that happen? Beat was shutting and XFM was coming on, and obviously I wasn't going to be part of that. And um, that was quite a hard sort of pride thing because you've got an audience that likes you. You're doing a good radio show. We were doing pretty good numbers, but it was sorry, it was it was going. They were making it into XFM. I still I still had a while left on my deal, so I just would just stay at home, and you know the deal would run down. But I said to them, look this is only in the UK, right? I can go and do stuff elsewhere. And they said, yeah, why not? So I went to, I was, my plan was to go backpacking around Asia and Australia. And when I got to Australia and this was sort of 2006, it was before really the Kyle and Jackie O show was on the map as much as it is now. They'd just gone from nights on today FM to the breakfast show on today FM and today FM had just moved from an old studio at the Bondi junction to a brand new, you know, Gloucester square type, glass box uh, in the middle of the CBD downtown Sydney. And I heard a trail for the Kyle and Jackie O show. And you know what? I still have it. I can send it to you and you edit it in here. Kyle and Jackie O. I got my husband's gym bag and I found some condoms in there and we don't use condoms. Having a day from hell. How long since you've used condoms? Nine years ago. It was all going so well. He said he didn't know how they got there. He didn't he know didn't how they got know. there. Oh. They, you know they weren't my condoms. What, what about the suspicious calls when you reject the calls in front of me? Work phone. Why, why are you blaming me for it? You know, you know my brother uses a gym bag. He goes to the gym in the city. He never wants me to go to the gym with him. Now's the time to just get it all out. Has there been anything going on that you want to tell us? The, the truth is, I am seeing someone else, Alan. I've, I've had enough of the BS. You don't want to be be with me anymore, is that what you're saying? That That's why you cheated? Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. It was the first thing I heard on Australian radio went, oh my God, I have to work at that radio station because it was so different. Um, then all plans were off. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to get a job in Sydney. 
Um, and so I demoed Nova and Today FM. Jamie Angel, um, the program director at Today FM, he was a uh, so he was on that radio station as a, as a personality for a lot of years. Yeah. And he got me in and said, I think there might be some like board op shifts, you know, tech op shifts. Okay, great. And I went back to my shared house with 30 other people. So I'm sort of still living on the capital sort of money coming in, right? Oh, and funnily enough, I met this girl from uh, Wales who's in the house with us. And she said, oh, we're, how come you've ended up here? It was like 30 backpackers in one house, French, German, Italian, Spanish. Americans, everyone, Canadian. And she said, oh, I, I got made redundant. I said, oh, what do you do? And she went, oh, I, work, I worked in radio. I said, no way, so did I. <laughs> and uh, I said, what did you do? And she went, oh, I worked, I worked at Red Dragon FM in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. I went, holy shit. And then I said, <laughs> so um, her name was Kylie. And I think she might work. At, what's that now? Capital. I think she might yes. work there now, you know. And so she'd worked in S&P or traffic or something but how weird that two people that yeah. got had just left capital group ended up in the same shared house in sydney australia amy angel phoned me up one day and said yeah mate uh change of plan we're not going to use you for the board op shifts we're going to put you on the air i said great like wow and he said yeah we've never had a a voice before and uh i said so what am i going to be like because they all had names you know um, Lab Rat did the drive time show and uh, they had Kate the Alien on there and uh, Loey did the evenings. They all had these sort of Aussie radio names. I said, I'm, I'm going to be like the Flying Scotsman or something. And he went, no, oh, mate, you're going to be, and the first name was, you're going to be Mr. Miyagi and you're going to be from Japan. <laughs> I went, what? So the very first show I did, I had to say that my name was Mr. Miyagi and I was from Japan. And uh, I said to him, but like, I'm obviously not from Japan. And he went, yeah, that's what's funny about it. So after the one Mr. Miyagi show, we decided that didn't work. So the new name <laughs> got even better. Remember, this is 2006. So they were still quite the, sort of the big thing and they're back again now. My kids like them. I was Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi on exchange from Tokyo's number one hit music station. <laughs> and I would say, because I'm here from Japan, there's an Aussie guy in Tokyo right now doing the same show. And everyone would phone up and go, I, I, where in England are you from? Because they don't know, right? And he'd say, I'm from Japan. And they would piss themselves laughing. And uh, that became my gimmick. Um, so I had to say I was Japanese. How long did you spend the, the, in Sydney? Like nearly a year. I had a year of backpacking visa. I didn't get to, I didn't want to leave today FM. Um, they had the Kyle and Jackie O show. So I got to, as well as do the, they had me doing weekends um, and swing production shifts on the hot 30 countdown, uh, which was a national show. They said, look, we're thinking of putting our, they had a psychic called Georgina Walker. She's a, a famous psychic in Australia. She was psychic on the Kyle and Jackie show and still is. And they said, we want you to do the radio parts. We're going to call it Today FM Supernatural. And they put it on all the stations, uh, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, Adelaide, Brisbane, Newcastle, Perth. And so I anchored this psychic show. But I didn't believe in any of that stuff before I went there. I met Georgina. She was, uh, we got on really well. But she was older than me. I was like 25. She was, I guess, 50. 
And um, some of the, the psychic, you know, she did these dearly departed readings, John. So um, I, I, I didn't believe in psychics because I thought it was all edited for the radio. But we would pre-record the show and she would say, okay, I need the person's name and I need them to hold a photograph and I need to know the date they died. And so I would tell her off the air, okay, this is the person's name. This is the day they died. And she would go away and write down and sort of be in the zone for 15 minutes. Then we would record the phone call. So I know she hasn't spoken to the caller. And she would say, okay, hello, whatever your name is, dearly departed reading, say the person's name. Okay, I, I'm choking. My neck's tightening up. They were strangled to death. Um, and, you know, then the caller would be crying, but would, would never interrupt. Uh, or another one I remember saying, I, I, I smell smoke. This person died of cancer. They smoked lots of cigarettes a day. And as she was talking about this, I kid you not, the studio smelled of smoke. And, and, and it was so unbelievable. This was so exciting to me. So anyway, fast forward to now. Georgina just came to visit us in Canada. And I know we're sort of jumping around, but that's 17 years ago. And we're still best friends. She came to our wedding in Scotland nine years ago. We went to see her in Australia and she met our kids when they were younger and she was just here to visit us now. So a friendship was born um, at that time at Today FM. Uh, she's still Kyle and Jackie O's psychic. is on there every week. Does another show with Mitch at night. And um, as well as that, I got to do some work for the Kyle and Jackie O show, which uh, uh, was great. You know, they did um, these big event pieces then. Like they did this uh, Kyle and Jackie O's longest show and it was sponsored by Giracell Bunny or something. And uh, I ran the board and worked with their show on the ideas. And I smoked then, John. And so I would go smoke. Kyle and Jackie both smoke. I don't know if they do now. And so I would go smoking with Kyle during that. And he went, like, he's a no shit guy, like in real life. And this yeah. is back when he was younger, so wasn't as chilled out as he is now. And uh, I remember him saying to me, like, I'm bloody impressed that you've come all the way here and got a job on our radio station. And he uh, was really good, like good to me. I, I uh, got to do some bits on the air with Kyle when it was for McDonald's stuff because he was the McHappy Day. Even then, here's the size of stars they were in 2006 and there's nothing like they are now. Uh, it was McHappy Day coming up and Jamie, the PD, said, look, do something with Kyle on the phone on McHappy Day when you're on the air. Uh, but he said, there's this number but don't tell him I gave it to you. <laughs> All right. So you got it from his manager or something. Imagine like the PD not wanting to give out the breakfast jocks number to another jock on the radio yeah. station. But there were <laughs> such power figures then. But even to be part of that, that team, that, that, like the ethos at Today FM, and I have the handbook somewhere, but it was very simple. If you don't work hard here, you won't be here long. It was a mighty radio station and um, miles ahead of anything I'd heard before. It was insanely good. We're having a party. Oh, yeah. You spent some time in Australia. I mean, you worked with some of the, the you know, radio's biggest ever names. And then you moved back to Scotland and you go to, to Real um, in 2007 to take on Mids. I mean, that, again, another big station, Paul. You're moving from... Just powerhouse yeah. to powerhouse. You know what? I like a lot of us radio people. I'm afraid that I got in a mess with my tax when I was younger. And um, I know <laughs> yeah. that anyone that is, has worked in radio through these times before <laughs> that whatever it is now where they take the tax, we've all been there, right? So 
I had to go back because I was screwed. I, did, I my my visa was running out. I got, was really fortunate enough to uh, to be offered a job by Jay Crawford on email. I went to Seattle to see a friend, Craig Wallace, who was just went out to work at Real World there, and um. I said, look, I'll use your computer. I'm going to send this demo that uh, the imaging producer at Today FM, Konsky, made me my demo from Today FM. And uh, I sent it to Jay Crawford, who was the program director at Real Radio. And he messaged me back in about 10 minutes and said, this is the best demo I've ever heard. Um, you're hired. Uh, your new best friend, Jay. And he didn't tell me what it was for or anything. That was it. Like, just an email. So we, I, was, I, I, I wasn't even back in the country yet. Already had a new a, a job. And uh, the, the demo said something like, yeah, we call him Tamagotchi, but his real name's Paul Harper. What was the PD on? Crack. And then like, it went through the thing. And then at the end, it went, Paul Harper, Tamagotchi, whatever the fuck you call him, just fucking call him and give him a job. And it was so like, what, what is this? Um, it was a great demo. It wasn't exactly suitable for real radio. But Jay was a good enough program director to see around that. I went, yeah, you come here. We need a younger, you know, I think Real could have been in danger of sounding sort of stuffy and older. And he brought me in and we had some huge success. That Real Radio in Scotland, like, like Scotland and Wales were absolute monstrous radio stations. Yorkshire too, monster radio stations. Is it true that your, your show, I mean, you talk about the success there, but I mean, your, your show was bigger than Forth and Clyde combined. Yeah. Yeah, just the cum, <laughs> just the cum of one show, was bigger than whole radio stations. That's mental, eh? Yeah, it is. At mate. one point, Real Radio had a thirty-one percent reach, and eight hundred and something thousand listeners, uh, out of you know two point four million. It was, it just dominated, and we it it got to the point where a Real Radio, uh, we were like one nail away from the coffin of the other radio stations. When someone decided that instead of promoting what we were doing successfully, they would invent Barry the Bassett, a dog that they put on all the TV commercials. Do you remember? I remember that. that. I remember that dog. <laughs> that was the end. <laughs> when they started promoting a dog, a fuzzy <laughs> dog, over we I'll, I'll, seriously for a minute. The J when Real Radio was it sort of was autonomous at that point. Um, we. We're doing Renegade and uh, our fugitive Renegade. And it was just, it, it captivated the country's um, imagination. We would sit in a room and Jay would say, okay, what, what do you want to do as a promotion? And we said, well, we want to give away a car a day. Okay. And then win a car a day in May was born. And we gave away a new car every single day in the month of May. Guaranteed winner. And they structured it so smartly. And it was partnered with Arnold Clark, who now were a big UK spender, was a Scotland-only client then before they spread out, and their Scottish son. And so the son would print a picture clue in the newspaper. Um, Arnold would provide the cars, and we would do the radio. And it was amazing. We would, you know, 10,000 texts a day. You had to find the car and text in the license plate to win the car. And, you know, the first clue of the morning would be, it's a blue car. And then the next clue in an hour would be, it's a blue car, and it has a copy of the son in the passenger seat. You've never seen such chaos. And I think I found the car. All right, where is it? And oh, it's not the car. And so we did that, but it got so mental that people were following the drivers around. They found out where the cars were coming from. We had to get the cops in, you know, because there was like people chasing drivers on the motorway to try and see where the cars were going. Uh, we should give away a holiday home. Okay, great. So we get, got a holiday home, gave it away. Okay, 
but it wasn't that our standards were so high. We were benching against ourselves. It should be in Florida. Yeah, that was a bit shit, wasn't it? It was just in Spain. It should be in Florida. Okay, let's get a Florida one. The, it was just amazing. And, um, you know, when you do that on a local level, you get 809,000 listeners a week. It's incredible. Uh, you you so. talked about the, the the renegade there, which was, I mean, so many of us nicked that idea because it was so successful. And I, I, we did it on a couple of stations that I was part of, one of which didn't have the budgets that you had. And I remember, because you used to give away the first clue at eight o'clock, and I think it was the the 210FM Fugitive, I think it was. That's what we called it. And I think it was like, and this morning, if you find the, the Fugitive, you can win. Two hundred pounds. It's like <laughs> nobody's going to look for this. But you know, what I mean? it's like right. it's not going to work. It was mad money. Five thousand pounds. Ten. I remember Jay once said, "Okay, we're going to do one where it's going to start at ten thousand pounds, and every minute it's going to drop by a hundred pounds, or something like that, or every Love it. every fifty minutes it's going to fall." But anyway, the guy he got caught after what his clue was. I'm. Uh, I can tell the time from here. <laughs> And he was outside a church. Anyway, he got caught within one minute. And I remember Jay going, fuck, the budget man. What are we going to do with the budget? Jay always said, man, man, my budget man. Oh, Jesus. And I remember talking about the real radio fugitive uh, renegade in Australia before I went back. Said, oh, they're doing this thing in Scotland. And Jamie Angel, my program director at Today FM, said, yeah, we, I invented that. And right enough, Today FM in Sydney was the first radio station to do was Fugitive. It? And that's why Real had to change it to Renegade because they wanted licensing money for it, right? And they didn't want to pay the money. So they changed it to Real Radio Renegade, which was actually better anyway. Yeah, we all um, changed the name. We all changed the yeah. name, Paul, we couldn't afford yeah. it. <laughs> no one could pay the, the, the money. We had some crazy <laughs> stuff. There was someone got punched in the face in a Starbucks. There was someone else got out of a car and tried to stab something. Like, Things got crazy around the Renegade. I've got a phone call somewhere of someone saying, listen, the Renegade's in Livingston, commuter time. And I'm worried. I'm worried it's going to cause an accident. I said, well, you know, we're trying our best. We always said, keep it legal. You know, please don't speed. And she went, yeah, but someone nearly crashed into my mum's hearse. And they were like steamrollered through a funeral. <laughs> These people. It was insane. And one game, I got to be the Renegade. It was guest Renegade day. We were always putting twists on it. And I was the renegade and I was in Ikea in Edinburgh. And it's the most horrible feeling being hunted like that. Even though it didn't matter if I got caught or not. I really wanted to stretch it out for the longest time. So I called in, added this guy's voice. We put twists on it all the time. And David and Jay and a real radio uh, team just made that such a fun, captivating competition. You know, um, we've, we have the mutual friend who's, who's kindly put us together, Paul. A, a guy called Barry Hodge, who is one of the greatest producers I ever worked with and somebody I love dearly. He, he, of course, works with yourself and knows yourself. And he said that I need to talk to you about the time that you did the interview with the Saturdays. I had the Saturdays on live. And I said, all right, if you want to talk to the Saturdays, call in. We're doing a Saturdays lunch. It was like a game to put in the silly name, which I guess you couldn't do for GDPR now. But every single phone line was one of these stupid names. So on line one, it was Saddam Hussein, insane in the membrane. <laughs> <laughs> on line two, it was Osama bin Laden. On line three, it was um, <laughs> it was someone called Aggressive Linda. It's obviously someone called Linda. And she'd been aggressive to someone on the phone. And in the comments, you know, you write the name in the first, so it's an yeah. Aggressive Linda. And in the comments, it, 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 someone had written, she'll knock your block off. <laughs> so the Saturdays answered the phone and they went, oh, hi, Linda. Is that Aggressive Linda? Says here you'll knock our block off. <laughs> and she went, why does it say that? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that was so bad. And like all these, like 
honestly, man, all the the names were outrageous that were in the phone box. You know, every like <laughs> mass murderer and criminal <laughs> and all these names are phoning in all at one time. But Saddam Hussein and Saying in the Membrane, I I uh, uh, it was too much. We had to. St- they all got deleted after. Oh yeah. Now, um, like myself, you then you you then sit through a rebrand into into Heart Scotland. Um, yeah. you, you do drive. I mean, uh, did you enjoy? Uh, I know the answer already, but did you enjoy the rebrand, Paul? Uh, they got us a new building that was really nice. Um, <laughs> we had nice desks. Look, yeah. we, got, we got to work with some nice people. I think that it was a mistake what they did with that radio station, and to their credit, Global have rode back on that recently in Scotland and have put all local shows in from the breakfast show, middays, afternoons, and drive on both heart and capital because it, it was really hard being on a radio station that the audience hated and were telling you they hated. Yeah. That, that's it, it really. I, I won't, yeah. I, you know. It was tough for all of us, I think. It, it was tough for most of us, anyway. At the end of it, um, I won't r- run them down because... Uh, Ashley did Ashley Tabor did a letter for me for our application for our visas to Canada. I asked, like, on my way out here, we, my wife and I had decided, right, we're going to go to Canada. And so when it happened, when the, the I went up in the lift and Robin Galloway was coming down and he said, if there's an envelope on the lift, you're fucked. Uh, an envelope on the table, you're fucked. And I went in and I saw an envelope and I, I was like la- laughing, honestly, because I was ready to go to Canada and I knew I had time left on my contract. Maybe you were the same and I'm just going to play the game. And I yeah. smiled all the way through it. Uh, <laughs> and at the end, I said, look, fine. I'll be professional to the very end. I'm going to do great shows till the end. Wish you all the best. Um, and I'd like Ashley Tabor to do this, please, for our application to become permanent residents of Canada. And in the end, he did. So I'm really grateful for that. Fair play. Fair play to him. All right. So from Heart Scotland to, to, to Peel Radio, um, tell me about Pure. What was that? Well, so the, um, the day of uh, the firings from Global, Adam Finlay, whose dad Richard was the chairman of Scottish Radio Holdings that sold to, Scot- the, sold to EMAP, the Clyde and Forth, Tay and Northside. And Adam, then, so his son Adam, had followed in his dad's footsteps. Uh, Richard Finlay was a radio pioneer, started Radio Forth, and Adam had followed in his footsteps and I had been the managing director at North Sound and Radio Forth. We never worked together, but we did always know each other. And then he, he owned one and owned Original 106 in right. the Northeast, in Aberdeen, my hometown. And we'd never worked together. And so he'd messaged me on the day and went, look, I heard there's these meetings happening at Global. Are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. Thank you for asking on a text. And he went, all right, well, I'll not bother coming to see you tonight then. If you've got a job, congratulations. And I went, no, no, I don't have a job anymore. But I'm okay. And he went, right, I'll meet you at seven o'clock outside the radio station. And we met and he told me that he'd sold original to DC Thompson, which uh, is a huge family uh, business in Scotland, billion pound uh, company that owns uh, the Beano, Dennis, the Menace, uh, the Dandy, um, Ur Willy, Banana Man. They had the, so many magazines uh, through the years and I'm sure I'm missing some out. And um, Dennis the Menace, though, was their sort of crown jewel. And he said, DC Thompson have bought original and uh, they're going to be getting, I can't remember when Kingdom was mentioned. And Wave and Dundee, would you like to come and work for us? 
And I said, well, I can't be on the air again because of this, you know. And he went, no, no, it's like, just help us with the radio stations. And then we started talking and yeah, God almighty, absolutely. It was really from the lowest of the low, even though I knew we were going to Canada, but what we're going to do for a while to this exciting new radio project. And we noticed very quickly that there was a gap in the market and talent available to give a truly Scottish radio station that had to be a DAB offering because there was no FM spectrum that could play Scottish music mixed with um, other, you know, hot AC playlist that was missing from the Scottish airwaves and put on talent that was liked by the audience and fill a gap that had been left. So pure, it, pure radio, it was going to be, didn't know if we would call it pure radio because of the radio maker, right? In the end, you could. It was going to be called Jock. No, it, I thought it should have been called Jock FM. <laughs> okay, the new, I'm Jock. Like Jack, uh, <laughs> spin off, but the, they went, no, that's terrible. And so, um, this DC Thompson is an unbelievable uh, business. They own golf magazines and golf shows and events and uh, property and software companies and marketing companies and oil and gas markets. And they've got this huge seven story, beautiful, bigger than Leicester Square Global, but on the same, like, it's beautiful like that in the middle of Dundee which has got like 100,000 people. We went in there and dreamt up Pure Radio, launched it, and then um, COVID happened. I should say, sorry, John, at the same time as this, I knew I was still coming to Canada. Yeah. And I said, look, you know, well, why don't I do a little bit for you? Pure Radio went on the air. It was, I thought it was a really good sounding radio station on DAB across central Scotland. Sounded like a more up-to-date reel, I thought, but obviously we didn't have the budgets to do the promotions. Robin Galloway, myself, Lynn Hogan. I think that Pure would have had a much better chance if it had a better method of delivery. Uh, DAB only on that scale was really challenging, um, especially during the COVID time. They, they just shut it down, right, recently. I left a while ago, but they just closed it down. It needed an FM license, and we didn't have one. And without that, I don't think you can compete on that scale. Look, now, now you are in, I mean, I'm really interested in this and bless you. It's the reason why you, I mean, you've got to go and pick up your kids from school in a bit and you're yeah. against the, the clock for me. But I mean, you're now in, in Toronto where one of my favorite ever bosses, Paul Kay, he, he works out in Canada. He loves Canadian radio and um, you're now at Today Radio. I mean, was it always the dream to go to Canada? I mean, you obviously like traveling because you went out to Sydney. Yeah, we looked at My wife and I have two girls. They're now the most Canadian-sounding kids you've ever heard in your life. Are they? <laughs> we wanted to give them a new life. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Brexit happened. I was an independence voter in Scotland. Um, that didn't happen. The destruction of the business that I love. Uh, I, 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 want, I want to work in this until I retire or until I choose to not. And I didn't like being good at my job, but hanging on to it for dear life. And not because of your talent, but because someone somewhere has decided that it's a region or a shire and it doesn't really matter if it comes from London because no one will notice anyway, or Manchester. Mm. So I wanted to move somewhere that gave us an opportunity to grow as a family and to have new experiences. That could have been Australia, but it's too far for grandparents. Uh, Australia and Canada or the Middle East. The Middle East would have been hard for Claire and the girls. Um, and Canada, well, Toronto is the number one market in Canada, number three in North America, New York, LA, Toronto. Not billing wise, but you know, market size. 
I went, right, that's, I want to crack at that. So we came to visit um, just after. When Global got rid of us, I signed a deal with DC Thompson, went to WrestleMania with my brother in New York. And then the next week, flew back, then came back to Canada for three weeks with Claire and the girls. Decided instantly we are going to live here. Toronto is the most, you don't say the second T, Toronto. Yeah, you sounded yeah. Canadian there, Paul. What Toronto. happened there? Toronto. Uh, I'm so, I've been so conscious not to talk about sidewalks or garbage or any of that stuff that you're <laughs> going to roast me for. First walk on St. Clair Avenue, which is ironically where the radio station is that I work for now. And we went, oh my God, this is brilliant. This is a, it's, it's a mixture of all the cities and places that we like. World lives here. Half of Toronto is from somewhere else, born somewhere else. Uh, it's a multicultural market. Um, it's got so much good going for it. We were able to, to, to come to Canada Look at, at, at great expense and a lot of work, but I don't, I don't mind that. I don't grudge that. We've been given a new life and a new opportunity and a chance to grow. And uh, we get to do so many awesome things in this part of the world and have so many experiences. And I was fortunate enough, uh, whilst doing the pure stuff from home, to get a gig here on Boom 97.3 in Toronto, which is a classic hit station. But it's the it's a brilliant classic hits. Uh, like CBS FM in New York. I kind of think this is what they should have done with Greatest Hits. It's like same music, but not sleepy sounding. You know, it's, they play every song like it's a new song. Uh, the personality burst out of the radio on that radio station. And um, it's always a top tier, top three in the city. And I got to do weekends on there straight away. Um, you know, every talk break has a caller. Uh, but it's, you know, over the intros, the music format never stops. So 10 seconds, 15 seconds playing these mega Nothing. hits. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's like CBS FM, you know, Broadway Bill style. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I'm not rhyming. Not rhyming all the time over their vocals at the posts. <laughs> doing the most, Broadway Bill. But it's, you know, a big sounding radio station. But they really took to me. And the fact that I would position myself as, listen, you know, I've just arrived here. I love my new home. They liked that a lot. And I meant it. And Stingray, the company that owned Boom, said, look, you know, I, I got to do the breakfast steps on Boom. Never have imagined in a million years we'd come to Canada and I'd get to do cover for Stu Jeffries does the Boom Morning Show and it's a huge show. And everyone that covered it, it's a bit of a daunting task really because his audience are quite, um, they'll tell you, right? But I, I, I was like, okay, let's do this. And they were really kind to me, thank God, because we've all got a little bit of an ego. Um, but they, were, they really welcomed me and sort of got it. And um, it went really well. Performed well on Boom, ratings-wise, and just with the right attitude. I think I made mistakes through my career. I'm sure, given the chance to go back and do things again, we would have all done things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've really tried to act on those when we got a fresh start in Canada. And, um, you know, going from being a breakfast jock to being a weekend jock again here, uh, you know, you're starting your career again almost. Fortunately, the programmers there said, look, we've got an opportunity. We're thinking of doing this format from Calgary, the Today format. And uh, it's a, a sort of a, a Jack FM female-leaning music variety station with spice and topics. Uh, so there's call-ins all the time. It's like a conversation. It's open. It's a companion at work. And I listened to Calgary. It's the number one station in Calgary. And it's got, now is the same owner in Edmonton. And they said, yes, yeah, so we're going to flip this license not boom, but another one they own to today. What show do you want to do? Breakfast show. And like, they were open to that. And um, 
I've been incredibly fortunate. The, the Steve's, Steve Jones and Steve Parsons are my the, um, national program director and the VP of Radio for Stingray. And my program director, Crosby McWilliam, have taught me so much. Um, I, you know, bear in mind, you're learning a new city and a new country at the same time. And this new format that we're all learning uh, together has been, has been brilliant because uh, re- there, there's no easy show. It's hard work. It's very hard work. But it's the most rewarding format I've ever done, for sure, John. I've got to say, like, you know, you and I have never met and um, it's been fascinating listening to your career. And what I think I'd take away from this the most is I admire how you've you've chased your dreams. I mean, to the point where you move your family so many miles away, but you've not just chased it, you've you've achieved it. You know, you've gone for it. You've got it. And I, I admire that, Paul. I think it's incredible. Thank you. Well, maybe we'll meet one day. Um, this is everyone now comes to our place for free holidays, right? So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this, my old co-host from Beat 106 was just here actually and he said oh, we'll be back for another free holiday soon Fraser I hope well, this, uh, this podcast is hugely popular Paul so you can have a long list of people getting yeah. in touch and say <laughs> I'll give you my email address just drop us your dates <laughs> and we'll fit you in between my mum and dad and my wife's dad well um, l- l- Paul it, it's been amazing having you on so thank you very much for your time and, and, and being on, on Crunch and Roll it's been incredible Thank you. Thanks for listening. And um, it was nice to chat. And I'm sorry I have to go and get the kids. I didn't know if that was just a euphemism that you were talking about when we <laughs> yeah, first yeah, started. Right. But you need to go for a dump, Paul. You should have said at the start. <laughs> but if you're actually. <laughs> Thank you so much, mate. You've been listening to Crunch and Roll with me, Paul Harper. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get every new episode as soon as they drop. Crunch and Roll is a 969 media production presented by John Fox and produced by Simon Watson. Oh yeah. You know um we we have the mutual friend who's who's kindly put us together Paul a, a guy called Barry Hodge who is one of the greatest producers I ever worked with and somebody I love dearly. He he of course works with yourself. So <laughs> I love Barry too. Barry got fired from Real Radio for um so we'd had a bad rage our day and when I say bad we'd had like 725,000 and not 800,000 listeners a week. Got to do something. So Barry got naked <laughs> and when Ed Miliband was the leader of the Labour Party, like streaked Ed Miliband in the newsroom, which wasn't a great idea. And um, something to do with Labour and the Scott Trust or something that was part of GMG, someone had phoned someone at the Guardian and basically that was it. So Barry had to go. And I think they could have stopped, you know. And Robin can I just go. the the thing is, Paul? My and Barry told me that story, and it's it's one of my favourite radio stories. <laughs> and and Barry, the way Barry describes it, and it, obviously with your beautiful Scottish accents that you both have, yeah. he says, "I and what I did is I waved at him like Budsy Bear, and it's that yeah. bit. That, it, it, it paints the picture in my head. It's just beautiful. I'm like Barry, what a legend. But, so Ruff, uh, Ruffy, who was one half of our football phone in on Real Radio, Alan Ruff was the Scotland goalkeeper for. The 78 World Cup and the 82 World Cup. You know, a real lad, you know, very much a laugh. He's like clowning around in the changing room. It was always good banter. And when Ruffy was, I'd been in the building and he came into the studio because I was on the air when this was happening in the newsroom. And Ruffy went, oh, fuck. And when Ruffy thinks it's bad, you know, like it's bad. And he went, oh, Paul, I really don't think this is good. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, if Ruffy thinks it's going to be bad news, then we're really in trouble. 